Welcome to Stories from a Shower Singer with your host, Tony and Emma. Welcome to Episode 5 of Stories from a Shower Singer. Do you love to sing in the shower? If your answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. In each episode, we interview fascinating people from all walks of life about the joy and healing powers of singing and creativity. We also invite you, the listener, into an intimate jam session with our guest and teach you their favourite shower song so you can sing along with us. So lather up. And let's sing. up to episode five of Stories from a Shower Singer, and we have two amazing guests with us today. We have Tani and Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having Pleasure. us. Pleasure. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about our very special guests. Melissa Weston is a British-born, Brisbane-raised singer, actor, writer, and is happily at home in the worlds of jazz, cabaret and theatre. She is a Churchill Fellow, was valedictorian at UQ, holds a university medal and a Master's of Philosophy in Theatre, and as an, a singer and actor, Melissa regularly headlines music and cabaret festivals in Australia and the UK. Tani Dyer is a charismatic musical artist with a contagious enthusiasm for creativity and spontaneous invention. He is known for his captivating emotional expression as a virtuosic jazz pianist in solo and group performances. Tani is co-artistic director of Western Dyer Productions, the company responsible for numerous national and international tours of musical theatre and cabaret productions. Oh, welcome, Melissa welcome. and Tani. It's so you. good to have you here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I want to journey right back to the very beginning of your lives. I want to start with Melissa. Can you tell us a little bit about how music was introduced to you? You came from a a very musical family, didn't you? Mm, Indeed I do. So um, so on my mum's side, she is um, uh, from Sri Lanka, um, burger heritage, so kind of Portuguese and Dutch background. Mm. Um, She's one of nine and music was a a very core part of what they were growing up in in Sri Lanka or Salon as it was then. Um, And a lot of my uh, family, that immediate family of my mum's and then all of the the sons and daughters and granddaughters and grandsons are in the music industry in some kind of way. So learning piano was just a given. Uh, I have two older brothers. So one of my first memories of, of music and it being exciting which is interesting now that I say it out loud, is being at a piano recital where we played a um, a trio piece on the piano. Oh, wow. And I think I must have been about three or four. And um, Dario had to pick me up and put me on the stool because I couldn't actually <laughs> get up there. But I think we won a prize in that. And that's probably why it's etched in my brain. It's like, oh, you can get up on stage and do it in front of people and they give you their love. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was probably one of my earliest kind of recollections. And there was always music um, in our house. And my mum um, played piano, but always you know, sent us for lessons. So that's kind of my mum's my side of it. And then my dad is a singer. 
So he comes from a line of kind of Welsh male singers. So, you know, that's that heritage of mm. incredible voices in, in that, that, you know, Welsh um, history. Yeah. And my dad was a boy soprano when he was a, when he was mm. a so youngster. Was dad. Yeah. We, yeah, we found that out yeah. yesterday. Oh, wow. Dad was on the podcast. Snap. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so also very early memories of um, he would do uh, lots of um, musical theatre and so I can mm. remember being very young and being in those, the ones that you were allowed to go to, which was like a dress rehearsal or a tech run or something, and being in the audience and watching it all happen and, you know, and Dad's little makeup case, his like stage makeup case and, you know, and always being taken by mum and dad to clubs and, you know, just being put under the table to go to sleep or whatever while, you know, the rest of the music and stuff happens. So, yeah, yeah, music definitely a really integral part of just growing up and always music through the house, always radio and songs and records and piano and both of my brothers um, are musicians Mm -hmm. as well. So lots of of playing, um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And life has sort of come full circle because – to, and I should I should say that Tani and Melissa are not only partners in music but also partners in marriage. I should I should just point that out. Yes. Um, <laughs> and your daughter Sasha has her first recital today for piano. Is that correct? She does. Oh, yeah. so she's oh. <laughs> so beautiful. And they're, but they're both really musical. I mean, it's impossible yeah. not to be. I think everyone musical you know people say oh but I'm not you know I played a little bit in high school but you know I'm not musical anymore it's like that's bullshit everyone's musical all the time if you just don't pigeonhole what music is and who's allowed to have it and who's allowed to do it and who's allowed to perform it you know totally um but they they do actually love it and they're really quite good Mm. amazing you know and Tani do you have a similar um upbringing were, were your parents encouraging of, of music when did it enter your life when did you know that it was something you were going to be so passionate about it's a great question I don't mm. think I knew until much later if I'm honest it wasn't I didn't the switch didn't really flick on and maybe even after school but mum tells me of a story there was a time where we were out at a restaurant and there was a live band or something like that she remembers me going and sitting right in front of the band and just sitting there transfixed for the whole <gasps> gig and then kind of wow. at the end of the gig just walking straight up and talking to the music like oh hi guys how are you doing so what's that and how do you do that and that was great so I can't remember that at all but there must have been something there. Music, it was a strange entry for me. I think anyone that starts out by playing the French horn is going to have a slightly <laughs> tortured kind of experience of music. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, grade five comes around wow. and I went to Anglican Church Grammar School, churchy, and uh, you go into a room and all the instruments are there and you have a bit of a play and then the teacher kind of decides, okay, your embouchure is best suited to this instrument. Yeah. So the French horn and it's a big, bulky, <laughs> strange <laughs> instrument. And, and I played it kind of all the way through. Through um through school and I I you know I must have because I stuck at it and and I was principal horn from from grade ten wow. and wow. I enjoyed the sound of like being in the orchestra and having that wash of music and those that vibe and that mm. was really special you know kind of five mornings every week coming to school doing a band or an orchestra or whatever that was precious in grade. 12, James Morrison came to school oh, wow. and he came and actually s- stood up in the th- section and, um, and, and, and I, I think I'd already just started to play trumpet. I'd switched from French on to trumpet in grade 12 mm-hmm. and he was, there pl- he was there standing and we were kind of counting into the section where all the trumpets were about to play 
Cool Cannon getting up two, two, and just as I went to play, like he started playing, and I just never heard such a big and powerful sound mm. out of anything before. And I, I didn't even play; I just stopped and stared in awe. And I was like, "Oh, that's what you can do! Oh, okay, right." <laughs> so I think maybe at around that stage, something started to shift, mm-hmm. and then after that, um, you know, it was the most uh, kind of patchwork music education. I did a lot of busking. Me and my best friends, we were out in the streets from, you know, the taxi rank outside uh, the Doc Martens shop in the valley from kind of 12 p.m. till 5 a.m., like oh, every Saturday for about wow. three years, Friday and Saturday. And oh we just used gosh. to kind of make... I think I remember you right? busking. Yeah. I did a bit of busking too. Yeah. Isn't yeah. In, in the valley and when I went one. to Sydney, but I'm pretty sure I remember. There, we brought the little car battery out with the, with yeah. the converter and, did and you... we had stuff. Did you gosh. did you give Tanise some money, Tony? Mm, oh, did you I don't give know. Up? I, if you were busking yourself, you wouldn't have had the money to give. Sure, <laughs> right. that's right. true. That's point. true. Good point. No, I, a lot of the times I was I was you know when I was in Sydney, I was making a living from busking for for a year. Wow! And it was the funniest thing because I was like. I was making a living from busking and I wouldn't really support other buskers, you know. <laughs> it's like, I should have, I should have. But, like, I was, I was well, like, it's oh. Tough. Were, it's you, tough. were you doing that in Pitt Street Mall and um, around the place? No, I wasn't doing it. I did it in Pitt Street Mall a couple of times before I realised that you needed an actual separate yeah. permit to do it there. Yeah, yeah. So I just had, like, the city of Sydney uh, general mm. permit. So I'd go to, like... Um, Central Tunnel and George Street yeah. and yeah, yeah, the clubbers because like King's Cross, they, um, yeah, King's Cross, yeah, yeah, yeah that was the uh, the drunk punters are the are the ones that <laughs> tend to like just unload their wallet exactly <laughs> right. And w- when we were doing it, it was pre Uber, so there yeah. used to be this enormous. The taxi rank was right outside the Doc Martin shop, and it stretched yeah. all the way down almost to you know to the GPO or whatever. And so people would just kind of be there, they'd be drunk, and and yeah, sure you guys playing some money. So it was, it was yeah, good. unreal. Yeah. I've just got some lovely cartoon in my head of like just a whole community of buskers that just like support each other, like, <laughs> <laughs> but have no money at all. But have no money. money. Yeah. Away. Oh, dude, that's so great. Yeah, yeah, take my earnings. And they just... Oh, I love it. And so so how long were you busking for? What? So there was a, probably a period of about th- three-ish years okay. where I was kind of busking to pay for my education at JMI. Um, oh, which you I went actually, to JMI. Yeah, I did. Great. I went to, went to there and that's when I kind of changed from trumpet to piano yep. and okay. um, bought, you know, paid in my the coins <laughs> from the busking and paid like 200 bucks <laughs> per week in coins. Uh, which was yeah. funny, but um, <laughs> but that was uh, yeah, it was it was it's, uh, what was I going to say? Something about how um, because we also went down to Sydney on a busking trip, kind of went down to the east coast, and we were living mm-hmm. there. We only wow. lasted about four weeks though, and the things I remember like putting sun cream on and then trying to carry the the crate with the battery and the converter and it being really slippery and hot, and just like working really hard and not getting that much money. And then we met a flute player at me and Greg, my best friend. Um, it was us, and we met a flute player, and we kind of brought him into the fold. And then all of a sudden, the money was getting split between three people, and very quickly it was like, you know, this. <laughs> This isn't, this isn't, and kind of came back up and, and, and finished JMI and then went on to do other things. But, um, yeah, I remember always just being out, like when I made the shift from trumpet to piano, the Bowery was just up the road and that's where Kafka used to play, like, you know, yeah. every Wednesday for like oh, 10 years. Kafka. And that was, yeah, can you remember that? Yeah. So mm. Kafka, uh, 
it was the guys from Kelvin Grove. Yeah, Kelvin Grove. And my, in fact, my high school sweetheart was in oh. Kafka. Who? Tom Hinchley. Oh, of course. Oh. Yeah. Beautiful Tom. Beautiful Tom. Yeah. Oh. He's my high school sweetheart. Oh. Hi, Tom. They were amazing, they Kafka. Are, they are my yeah. favourite band. They're, yeah. they're my one and favourite band. Wow. And, so and Lockie. Was Lockie in Kafka? Yeah. Absolutely. Because I saw recently you, you put up a video mm. of, um, was it Lanius and... No, no. What, what, it no. was a bit of a funny thing. Yeah, they were yeah. playing at the B East in um, in Melbourne, and Lockie had a gig, and then there just happened to be a lot of Brizzy folk. We ended up right. having a party back at Hannah, Hannah Macklin, who's an amazing singer songwriter, extraordinaire. Yep, mm-hmm. and wonderful host, gracious. Um, and uh, Roman MC popped up oh, as well, yes. and there was there was a kind of jam in the bedroom uh, with late and tennis sax and bass, and it was a, it was a happening wow. thing, and it was really wonderful to kind of remember those house party. Days. Oh my you just gosh. got into, you know, you just got into oh, yeah. music for fun. It was, it was a joy. I feel yeah. all gone now because we <laughs> <you> had children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. No, I've seen like, you two party. Yeah, yeah, that's true, true. Yeah. But you um, know what? Dominic Heed, who oh, was the. Um, oh, he was the another drummer. one of he my boyfriends, <laughs> actually. Sorry. He's also <laughs> yeah. in Capital, wasn't he? Scandalous. Well, you had good quality musicians. Very good quality musicians. I was learning drums off Dominic for a while. He, he, and he was the drummer. He was the stage band drummer at Kelvin Grove High School uh-huh. when I was like just starting drums. And I was like, oh my amazing. gosh, he's so amazing. <laughs> he is, right? This is like, I just want to do this. And then, yeah, so he was like a huge inspiration for me to, to actually and learn drums. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. And where did you get your nickname? Oh, Tony yeah. Tony. From? Actually, Tony, when I was in grade nine, in, um, we went on our grade nine. No, it was like the full school uh, music tour of like New Zealand. It was it was a big the big tour for the year, and Mm -hmm. we were on the bus and. Dominic just started calling me Tony. He was like, "Hey, Tony, how'd you go?" <laughs> I don't know if that's my that's my Dominic he accent. He kind of did, but he was talk- kind of I don't of know like, if he yeah. still talks like yeah. that. Yeah. But um, was like, he was the coolest cat, ha- you know. Because yeah. are, are like- you Anthony? Anthony, so yeah. Anthony. Yeah. Anthony. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. And so was, uh, Tony yeah. is Tony. an Anthony. Are you a, Anthony? I'm an right? Anthony. Yeah. Anthony. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got Tony. Tony. Anthony. There you go. There you go. I love it. So. Okay, so so where did your lives kind of intersect? When when did you meet? How did this happen? Tell us the story of of Melissa and Tani. I I can get cracking for the for the setup, and then you. Take <laughs> yeah. It all right. Okay. So my, be- you said my it best friend. Greg and I, we had about six months left of our of our degrees to finish. He was doing at QT. He had um, work experience, mm-hmm. and so he um, kind of was seeking around, and he and he discovered the Brisbane Jazz Club, and he thought, mm-hmm. well, great, hey, this is a wonderful place to get work experience. So he made an appointment to meet with Melissa, and he asked her, and then kind of begged and pleaded and said, look, I can't explain to you how much I really want to do this. Melissa was extraordinarily um, high-functioning, high-capacity, a million things. She's kind of sitting there going, oh, my God, can I really justify taking on a work experience with all these other things to do? Okay, sure. All right, fine. So she says yes. He starts working there. Um, and then I, he says, man, you've got to come check out this club. Because, I mean, we were thought of ourselves as jazz musicians, but we'd never even been to the Brisbane Jazz Club, which is scandalous and, and, and crazy. So mm-hmm. came there and um, met him in a little f- ticket booth at the front of house and, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, good. And then this mega babe kind of walks in and, like, gets some <laughs> files and then walks out. I'm like, dude, who 
who's that? It's like, oh, yeah, that's my boss. That's Melissa. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> that's great. Awesome times. And then um, slowly and, and bit by bit, we started to uh, hang out. And then you offered us some opportunities to accompany you for some shows that you were doing. Yeah, yeah. So that's right. So I was at the Brisbane Jazz Club. I was the president at the time. I had kind wow. of... Um, the, the clubs had a really interesting history, but um, at that point, which was about 2000, anyway, I kind of went onto the committee basically because my mum said, oh, they really need some young people, you know. <laughs> which is there. true. Which is true because yep. it was, a, I mean, the average age was about 65. Yes, yes. Um, and I feel like maybe it was me selfishly going, look, I want to have this place to perform when I am, you know, a fully-fledged performer. Absolutely. So anyway, I kind of got in there and, um, yeah, it was a huge learning curve in my life, incredibly rewarding and very, very challenging as well. Yeah. So I was being the president, was also kind of running my own performance career. Um, I think it was probably still even finishing my master's degree. So lots of things and, um, yeah, Greg, Greg came and, and I, I sort of said yes. I remember seeing <laughs> Tanique for the first time this you know, huge curly mop of hair, you know, almost like covering his eyes. And but I can remember seeing you at the, at, like at that front desk kind of thing and going, oh, what an interesting creature that is, you know. <laughs> and, um, and then they started playing, obviously, and it was this young, extremely exciting sound and, yeah, I had lots of gigs that I needed to book, you know, band for and we started, yeah, doing gigs and I just, I, even though they were not experienced, they were definitely not technically very excellent, good. you know, the feel was good and the vibe was good and I always would choose that over, you know, oh, someone being technically, me you know, too. fantastic, yeah. always. Um, and particularly Denise piano playing, like I loved um you know, he's playing and he struggles with this because he remembers that time and thinks of, of himself as not a good musician. Um, oh. But but he was fantastic and the feel was great and um, and then we kind of went on to do, I think there was a Brisbane Cabaret Festival show that I it got these guys to back house. me on yeah. and, and they just did things that no other musicians would ever do. I got the <laughs> bass player. It was this <laughs> magnificent <laughs> man. Mark Gregory. Mark Gregory. Absolute champion. Who... I don't know how I got him to, well, very easily. Anyway, he basically stripped off during the show, during a song. And I was like, I said, okay, so it would be really fun if you did such and such. And he just totally took it and is then like playing in his wife fronts, like oh, on, on the Brisbane Powerhouse stage. And he would do the kind of thing yes. like at the jazz club where he would climb onto the top of an amp and like, you know, play the bass. And I was like. Oh, this is so good. It was oh that kind of God. vibe, that kind it's of feel. Amazing. Yeah. And That's then Tony was already doing some film work at that point mm. because he had the oh, film background right. and I was yeah. the senior program manager for the um, World Shakespeare Congress that was at UQ. And uh, so I booked him to um, do video documentation and then we spent just hours and hours in an editing suite at, I can't remember, one of the universities. Was it UQ? Was that, was that UQ? Editing yeah. suite? And just can remember just falling on the ground, laughing, just hysterical laughing over these hours. And I think that's where we absolutely kind of went, oh, this is a something, this is a bond. That's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. chemistry. It was yeah. my, the most vivid experience I have of 
of yeah, whatever that that feeling of like what, I don't know why this feels so good, but it feels so good, and just want to keep this happening. It was pretty special. That yeah. is amazing. Wow. And how long ago was that? That, would have been that was two thousand and six. Two thousand and six. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. So, and it was and not easy, though, because I was already with somebody. So, mm. you know, life is, right. does never, ever play out in, you know. Never. The, and I never, ever would have imagined if you would have put Tani in front of me, <laughs> you know, it, it, a year before I met him and said, this is the man you will marry and have children with and travel the world and be extremely happy, I would have been like, oh, no, sorry, you've got the wrong person. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Tani? Uh, that great. <laughs> I nailed it. But, I, but, here. but it's because I hadn't met you yet and I hadn't realised, like, oh, that's what it's like to, you know, actually find the person that you want to spend the rest of your, of your life oh with, you know. Um, so it was tricky. It was really tricky. And we yeah. had, you know, we had about a year of just, oh, how, do, how does this, you know, and I'm eight years older than him as well. So mm. there was a whole lot of other Which life Which you'd never stuff. know because mm. you mm. never age. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> never. That's my Asian heritage coming <laughs> through there. <laughs> Though, to be fair, on my dad's side, the women are also quite youthful. Um, but, yeah, I think um, what the, you just whatever happens when that chemistry, mm. you know, mixes is like, of course, I can't ever imagine anybody else. That is so mm. beautiful. And you have mm. obviously that beautiful personal chemistry, but chemistry in terms of your music. And how many mm. shows have you created together oh, to date? A lot. Mm. I would say, <laughs> you know, like let's think of the genres. So there's the kind of cabaret show. Yeah. Mm. I reckon there's probably a, at least eight different kind of cabaret shows that we've made over the years. It was wow. Lush Life, Melissa and the Cunning Accompanist. The Cunning Accompanist. That was one of the early ones. That was an Adelaide wow, festival show. Oh, God, that was... That, like that and was, you know the highlights that, include oh. highlights include like a post gig being in a restaurant debriefing having th- food thrown in my yeah, face. I have never ever been yeah, violent it ever. Was so bad. I threw food in his <laughs> face. Oh, oh wow! Cre- I was thinking this might have happened from a punter, but it was you. No, 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 no. And, and and to be fair, I think it's because it's because we. It, I mean, this is the thing. The difference of as of our approach is Melissa is like great. We'll book that in, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. My I'm like, let's wait till I'm 99 and I've perfected everything and then I'll do one show to one person. And then you die. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it was um, it was kind of, it took us, it took us quite a few years of, of, of churning through shows and discovering how we could both be on stage and mm. feel like our authentic selves wow. um, to kind of get to the point of Barbara and Barry. Now, it seems weird that I'm saying that that's my authentic self because it's definitely not. But anyway, it was a very... It's an authentic character for you. It's a very balanced. Right. Yeah. So then there's right. that. There's all the musical theatre kind of mm. shows that we've made. And then there's all the kids shows that mm. we've made. So there's yeah. the Lissa and Nini. They're all just kind of different versions of... Of, um, ourselves. And did wow. the kids' shows start happening after you yes. had kids? That was a natural sort of yes. progression. Well, the yeah. the two the of us, box? yeah, I had done a lot of stuff for kids. Um, uh, yeah. right. In fact, my first kind of professional gig as a performer was touring a preschool show called The Dinosaur Show mm. to um, like you know, uh, childcare centers. That was my, that was my first one woman show. Yeah. Amazing. Do it all. And it like, you yeah. could hold like, like up to how many kids was that? Oh, most like amount 80. Of 
Yeah, like eight without kids. a microphone. Wow. No microphone. Whoa. One woman. That is a skill. Like eight characters oh in this gosh. show. And Constant it was costume incredible. changes, puppets. I mean, it was. It, I think that's why I got the work ethic that mm. I do. Is it's yeah. like, yeah, you just need yourself, and you can pretty much do everything. Yeah. So that idea awesome. of having shows, creating shows, and taking shows, because because mm. for me is. As a more of a muso, less theatre kind of background, it's more about gigs. But you really opened that idea of like, no, mm. let's let's make a show. Let's mm. we do we do shows here, mm. and, and that's what's kind of created so many opportunities for the travel and stuff like that as well. Yeah, mm. and that is that is the thing that I I really love about you, Tani. Not only are you an exceptional musician, but you are so theatrical, and it is rare, isn't it, to find, you know, a member of a band who is willing to sort of put on a show and mm. that's why I'm actually writing a show at the moment and I've asked both these amazing mm. people to be part of it because, um, yeah, your skills are just so incredibly broad mm. so it's going to be a joy to oh, work with you yes, both. yes, can't wait. Yeah. Oh, very exciting. Very, very yeah. exciting. Yeah, because of that, that, that sense of um, I think the performing for an audience, an attentive audience that's, that's listening and wants more from you mm. and encourages you to give more is something that like I feel, feel like what you've exposed me to through the years and, and, and that that feeling of as opposed to a gig where it might be more background or it might be a wedding or yeah. it might be something like that and the people aren't necessarily there to kind of experience mm. you. You're just part of the ambience of the, of the of the room. But that that feeling of having people there with you for all of the moments and mm. taking them on a journey is such a joy. It's so – it's yeah. the best. I love it. It's a, And it's addictive, you know. Yes. Like when you're – when it's happening and you get that exchange of energy, there's just – there literally is nothing that can compare to that. Mm. Absolutely. It's, yeah. I um, – Tony and I toured our last show, Broken mm. Romantics, to Edinburgh. And yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about Edinburgh Fringe because um, – Melissa, you helped me so much in the lead up to that. Mm. It was my first time in Edinburgh. Um, it was such a huge learning curve and you just prepped me and like just, <laughs> you know, gave me so much information going over there. And you both have well, how many times have you been to Edinburgh Fringe, Melissa? So I have performed um, seven different years oh um, in the Fringe. So and I and then I've, I was also there. I did a like a, a scoping out year as well. So I've been yeah. eight times. Yeah. Um, Which but, yeah is like for those of you who have been to Edinburgh Fringe, I imagine there are some listeners who know what that's like. It is huge. There mm. is no preparation you know, that you can do to really sort of prepare you for how massive this month of theatre is, you know, the flyering at the Royal Mile, all of the promo that goes into it for months, almost like a year in advance, um, mm. and then just performing night after night and mm -hmm. then supporting your fellow, you know, friends and performers and going to their shows after your show's done. It's huge. It, so seven times. Oh, my God. Yeah, it is huge. And, look, I, I've, I've always been good at kind of researching and kind of working out what it is that I need to do to make the best of an experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I first went, um, I took a one-woman show and I I wrote it especially kind of for the fringe. It was called Ella, Marilyn, Marlena, and me, and um, and it was you know kind of a, 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 a kind of semi autobiographic story, but not really. It was 
kind of a adult sort of fairy tale, I suppose, mm-hmm. about being given a magical hairbrush, and there was a you know, reality uh, like a singing contest. But it was the I was plagued with the what ifs, and so then wow. all of these characters. So Ella Fitzgerald, Marilyn Monroe, Marlena Dietrich. So oh. I got to kind of so I I wrote the show so that uh, with the fringe in mind, knowing that it would appeal, you know, yes. to audiences. Yeah. Yes. Also I had friends in Edinburgh and yeah. so that, you know, I had that kind of support network um, and I chose a very small intimate venue. So, you know, I kind of did all, all of that research. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I got there, it was just me and I go to like meet the people at the – and it was a brand-new venue that was being built. So mm-hmm. St Augustine's, which is this stunning, um, you know, gothic kind of church, and it's on three levels, you know, so it's on the Cowgate level, this little um, underground sort of theatre that they were opening. Yeah. I got there. I got there. And there was a hole in the wall. Like, there was no stairs. There was no – you couldn't, like, get into the space. They hadn't put in any of the stage. Oh and I was gosh. like – and I just kind of went oh. – Okay. So And you were there all alone. I was there all alone. Oh my god. And the first time negotiating with a venue and all the press oh and gosh. all the prep and the and the everything and I was like, "Oh my god." And this was two two days before I was about to preview my show. There's no, no. stairs to the venue. There's no chairs in it. I was like, "This is oh crazy." Yeah. Um but you know, in true Edinburgh style, it happened, yeah. and I and I sold that season out, and I got you know um, fantastic reviews, and so I just kind of built on that, you know. So I had this this great experience, um, and I think I did sort of four years in a row after that, and then we had babies, so there was like a year off um, for every other baby kind you, of thing. When you say you built on that, like the very next year. We, you, I think you brought me along, and and you did three shows. Three. No, I took Greg. The, I took Greg the next year. Okay, Greg year. was the next year, yeah. and, and then, then the I, year after that, there was there was yeah, Ella Marlin, Marlin and me, the dinosaur show, yeah. and then the jazz cabaret at the at the yeah. jazz bar. Oh, that's right. Shows. Three shows. Three shows. God. Yeah. And how many performances and, and we, would that have been? Oh, like, I think I did about forty-eight performances oh my God. in the month. And did we Melissa, have Ella with us? Did we have no, 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 Ella there was no Ella. There was no, there was this no was children, the one right? where, yeah. because at the jazz bar, um, you would get the door money because people would come in and pay the money at the door. Oh, yes. And so when it was like, a, and we did really well, like we did well on all of the years that we've been. And I remember just like you come out, you have like 200 quid in your hands and oh just gosh. kind of going, oh, my God, let's go and, you know, drink whiskey and, yes. oh, it was, and just feeling like, woohoo, you know, <laughs> splash Brilliant. the cash. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, but you've oh, done so well. But everyone should go, right? Mm. Every single person. I agree. Whether you're a performer or not, if you just, if you love the arts, you have to go you to Edinburgh at least it. once in your life. It's an extraordinary place to be. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I learned Amazing. so much. I think yeah. you we all learned so much. It was so brilliant. I I feel like in that month I grew as a performer. Yep. Mm. Because you just never know, I I don't know, performing night after night and, Mm. you know, realising how diverse the audiences are. Mm. Like one one night, you know, the audience might be laughing hysterically, then the next night they're really quiet and, like, you just have to learn to to adapt and work with Mm. whoever's in the audience. It was mind-blowing. It was such an amazing yeah. experience. And I think it's the the best way to actually um, mm. uh, not test a show but to refine a show. Because yes. I remember seeing yes. your show 
before you oh went God, yes. and then when you came back and I was That's like, totally oh, different. that yeah. is a testament to what Edinburgh does to a show. Absolutely. It was yeah. so tight and it was so alive and you get that from yep. night after night, night and after having to night. bring that energy. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And, yeah, just mm. tightening it up because, as you know, the thing about Edinburgh is the shows are programmed to really back to back. So we had five people in our band and we had how many minutes to set up an entire PA? Five minutes. For the sound check. Yeah. We had like five minutes to set up the PA and plug in and um, it was like such an adrenaline rush every night and then you have to you cannot go over time mm. otherwise they charge you they and find things you like that. because then you're making every you know yeah. five minutes or ten minutes and it's just yeah, yeah it's a flow-on effect to yeah. all of the yes. other 12 shows that are there for the rest of the day so we had to it trim so many things from our show yeah. which were kind of superfluous anyway it mm. worked out better we even cut an entire song and it was yeah, yeah. so edinburgh if you haven't done it and mm. you're a performer do it. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. And speaking of Edinburgh, next year, are you going? Oh, sorry. I well, should say this, this year. year because this podcast will probably come out in 2020. Yeah. It will, yeah. definitely. Yes. Yeah. So are you going? Yes. Yes, we're going. We haven't been Yay! here for a couple of years. We haven't been for two years. So it'll be so lovely to be there. We're going to do one full week, which is very short in comparison. Usually we've gone sort of, you know, for the whole time, but um, it's a bit trickier to just manage the amount of time away now. I mean, the girls right. are going to come with us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm so excited the to, nostalgia to just be is there. Just so, it was so strong because like, it was following your adventures oh, when, you, yes. when you guys were there mm. and just looking at the things and being on the magic mile and just having all those like, <laughs> visceral memories of going, oh, I just we just need to be there again. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. I'm so yeah. happy you're going. And what show are you bringing? Yeah. This is a good question. We're not entirely sure yet. Okay. Have to have to decide by January which show. It'll be a version of Barbara and Barry, and we, it might be the one that we kind of test out when we're doing our tour through Queensland. Yeah, um, Western kind of Circuit, Western, in Queensland. Western, Western Touring Circuit in Queensland next yep. year, kind of midway through next year, I think. Yeah. Mm. So we'll probably decide, yeah, in January what what it is that we're going to take. But it will be either it'll be a version that has um, both a show that has both of us in yeah. it, Great. Um, and with the audience very much in. <laughs> mind, yeah. whatever it is that they want. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. yeah. And we were actually just stalking Barbara and Barry. Um, <laughs> sweet, sour. And saucy. And saucy. Um, can you just briefly explain what the show is about? Because I have to say it is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so it kind of started. I'll tell you where it began. Again, it's me going, I want to go to Edinburgh. Um, okay, <laughs> what can we put together? And it was like, okay, so mm. we have this com- this shared love of just great classic songs that are from that, you know, kind of 50s sort of era. So Ella Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong, you yeah. know, just we, we love those tunes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, let's find a way that we can incorporate those tunes but make it – um, you know, really fun and full of character and with a story to kind of, you know, move along to. So we started this notion of the radio presenters, you know. <laughs> and these beautiful old radio plays that's and right. those gorgeous yes. voices and acting it out and it's just as engaging, I, I feel, as kind of watching a TV show or, or putting yourself back. Mm-hmm. It ain't just like we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and our dad used to do that. He played yeah. some of the old recordings. He had a kids show, a kids oh, radio great. show. So. Oh, 
cute. Yeah, it's brilliant. So then, then that became this. Somehow we kind of had this idea of like, okay, well, like, what if we play versions of ourselves, maybe kind of in the future, where they they broadcast from <laughs> their own. No, but first of all, they were. Do you remember? First of yeah, all, they, they were, were American. American. Yeah, they were kind of that. like this American, you know, kind of thing, and they weren't actually a. A couple that you know, oh. so we started there. Oh my gosh, they remember? even had different names, they had didn't totally they? different names. <gasps> oh so there was gosh. actually kind of two sets of people, right? There was something like oh, that. Anyway, we remember. got anyway. to the point where, yeah, <laughs> it was like, no, it needs to be versions of ourselves. And, yeah. and, and I think the other thing was actually part of the fact that we wanted to make it quite Australiana is that, um, <laughs> is that the Edinburgh audiences really love, yeah, well, any, any other audiences love totally. hearing that Australian accent. So I love. Love your accents, by the way. They're in, so in good. Bar- oh, perfect. It's, it's, it's perfect. spot on. Yeah. <laughs> it works both ways, I think. There's a lot of Australians can relate to it as well, it which is does. really great. Yeah. And so hamming up those accents and, and, and this idea that they broadcast an Agony Aunt-style talkback radio show from their lounge room, people will call in if they've got any love issues, um, and Barbara and Barry are there to kind of sort out their problems, dole out some love <laughs> advice through <laughs> a song that well, might be particularly pertinent to their, to their problem. Oh. Yeah, so we... We, it was very orchestrated. It's like, okay, let's have, you know, what's the story that this song can really help summarise, you know? Yeah, so yeah. So we kind of started and with the songs. And then we created the issues. And then we yeah, created the, the issues, issues. after the song, yeah. But the, oh, the hilarious thing is that, you know, no one actually ever calls into the show, right? So Barbara and Barry end up being the callers. So, so on stage it's really funny because you can see what's happening but imagine what it would sound like just to the oh. radio. So you can see the relationship between Barbara and Barry playing out in like there's multiple levels kind of going on, and I mean I have to say it was it's such a, it was such a fun show. It oh. really was a lot of fun, and a lot of fun to arrange the music for just the two of us and kind of have Melissa use her uh, multi-talented skills to play different <laughs> instruments like the spoon, the tap dancing, yes. oh, tap oh dancing especially pulling them out of that washboard. domestic kind of context of the <laughs> yeah. living room, and all of a sudden the washboard comes out and the spoons <laughs> and the ukulele, and oh. the which is and a the direct kazoo. reference to the thing of like you know as a singer. With an, with an accompanist, I always kind of feel like, oh, I get the easy job, you know, and Tanis, you know, kind of <laughs> That's working true. away. Bloody doing so, all the work. So it was, you know, and Barbara, oh, you know, come on, Barbara, do some bloody work for once in your life, you know, and so reluctantly she gets on the tap shoes and I call it comedy tap, you know, I don't, I definitely don't pretend to be a great tap dancer, You're but I can hold it really good, good I have to say. And it was really wonderful working with Josh to kind of create the aesthetic of the, of the stage and the, the look of the characters and because and, and we love that that old kind of formal kind of look with Barbara's beautiful purple polka dot dress and oh, all yeah, the gloves and the stunning. bag and all that stuff. Very and the 50s. set is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Josh McIntosh, brilliant Brisbane-based set designer, artist extraordinaire, um, who also created and built the heart that pulled apart as part of our set. Yeah, Mm. for Broken Mm. Romantics. Um, Tani and Melissa, (laughs) what is your favourite song that was not very smooth, Tony. The shower. <laughs> that was not that very was smooth. smooth. How Tony. can we segue a little bit better there? <laughs> uh, that's not my. That's, that's not, not my strong point. <laughs> straight, straight to the issue. Straight to the issue. Get to the point. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. What's your favourite song to sing in the shower? And do you sing it? Together? I was going to say, in yeah, the shower. There's, 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 separate, there's separate shower separate songs, shower and songs, then there's the combined together song, shower song, uh, which would have to be "How Sweet It Is to, to Be, be loved, loved by, by You." you. 
Oh, beautiful. beautiful. Do you think we can uh, jump in the shower together and have a little sing and play? Nothing would make me happier. I love it. (laughs) Before we do that, though, we're going to teach the audience a little harmony part so they can sing along at home. Love it. So let's do that first. All right, let's learn the high harmony first. This is more of a, an echo rather than a harmony. You'll hear Melissa and Tani sing in the chorus. How sweet it is to be loved by you. And our little part is going to come in as an echo. It's going to sound like this. You'll hear them sing. How sweet it is. How sweet it is to be loved. All right, so let's do that together. So you'll hear them sing. How sweet it is to be loved by. How sweet it is to be loved. Excellent. Let's do it one more time. A one, two, three, four. How sweet it is to be loved by. How sweet it is to be loved. Fantastic. Now, there, were, there are three choruses in this song, and the line that we sing is repeated twice for chorus one and chorus two, and then in the third chorus, we repeat it three times. Let's hear from Tony with the low harmony. Now, the harmony part, it's going to start on a B, and it's going to sound like this. Three, four. How sweet it is to be loved. Now, you can also sing that down lower if you have a lower voice, and it'll sound like this. How sweet it is to be loved. Now, like Emma said, this is going to happen straight after the melody. So the melody is going to be going, How sweet it is to be loved by you. And then we come in with, How sweet it is to be loved. And we do that twice. Okay, so how about we sing it together? All right, so the melody comes in. How sweet it is to be loved. All right, sounding great. Let's do it one more time. Melody comes in. How sweet it is to be loved. Fantastic. So for the first two choruses, we sing it through twice. And then for the last chorus, we sing it through three times. All right. Well, I think it's uh, about time to get in the shower. What do you guys think? It's Ready? definitely Ready tough. To I'm rock? feeling dirty. I want Ready. to get clean. Stripping oh, yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Love Make that. me sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I think we should uh, turn the shower on. Emma, do you want to... Oh, but by the what, what, what temperature do you want? Mm, I'm definitely a very kind of like warm, but definitely not too hot. Okay. But don't give me cold though. I don't All right. Yeah. People that take cold showers. I'm Here not. we go. Is this is this good? This mm. That's pretty good. That's Feeling nice. good? Yeah. yeah, that's nice. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Shelter someone's arms, and there you were. 
needed someone to understand my ups and downs And there you were With sweet love and devotion Touching my emotions I just wanna stop And thank you baby I just wanna stop And thank you baby How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be loved How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be loved Close my eyes at night Wondering where would I be without you in my life Everything I do is such a bore Everywhere I've been you know I've been there before You brightened up for me all of my days Love so sweet in so many ways I gotta stop and thank you baby I just wanna stop and thank you baby How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be loved How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be loved Myself. For me there is you and there ain't nobody else I gotta stop and thank you baby I just wanna stop and thank you baby How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be loved How sweet it is to be loved by you How sweet it is to be just the most amazing performance ever to me and Melissa. So beautiful. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Never sounded better. Thank you so much for coming on to our little show. It's been a joy to chat with you. Thank you for asking us. What a delight. What a delight you two are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, guys. And this is so fun. Can I come for a shower next week? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love that. All right. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Stories from a Shower Singer. If you like the podcast, please rate it, subscribe, and share with your friends. Stories from a Shower Singer is brought to you by Emma Dean, Tony Dean, and Corinne Bazanjic of Cheap Trill. Until next time, stay clean. Stay clean.